Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. So I was inspired to do a solo episode today, which as I've mentioned, I'll be doing a lot more in the coming months. I'm actually going to be transitioning to releasing some twice a week episodes. So you're used to our Wednesday episodes and soon I'll be transitioning to releasing on Mondays as well. Probably not every week at first, but every two weeks. So a lot of those will be solo episodes, if not all of them, the Monday episodes. So I, for one, am very excited about that. I know when I listen to a podcast and I'm really into it, I prefer for there to be twice a week episodes, just saying, because then you get more of what you love, topics that you love, topics that you're into. So just wanting to create that for you guys and keep holding space for all of us to live our most spiritually aligned lives. That's what this show has turned into, which is pretty cool. Thinking back to starting my blog six years ago as a vegan food blog and watching it evolve to this incredible community of like-minded people who are into alignment and manifesting and human design and astrology and Reiki and mediumship and aliens and being psychic and living our best lives. And also, of course, still nutrition and healthy food and food as medicine, plants as medicine, all of that good stuff. So our community is literally everything. You guys are like my best friends all over the world. So even though I'm still recovering from Lyme and Well, I do have chronic Lyme disease, might have it for the rest of my life, but I am so determined to kick it and literally eradicate it from my body. So even though I'm in the healing process, I really find it quite not like work to talk to you guys on the show and record these solo episodes when I feel inspired. So today's episode is all about something that you guys have been requesting for a long time and I've been excited to talk about it more and that is why I don't drink alcohol. So you might know my my journey with alcohol, which I'm going to tell you the whole entire thing, kind of culminated this year in 2019, January, which literally feels like yesterday. I just have to say, how is it already April? What on earth? When I decided that this would be the first year of my life that I didn't even have a sip of alcohol, even though I've been working toward that for several years now and have honestly not been interested in alcohol in as long as I can remember. But we're going to start from the beginning, tell you the whole story 
Um, back when I loved alcohol, back when I was a total party animal. And this is definitely not an episode to tell you what to do or to tell you that you're not a spiritual person or a healthy person. If you do enjoy alcohol, if you do enjoy the occasional glass of wine or cocktails with friends, or even if you drink every night, I have no judgment toward you or toward anyone. I think the important thing is to tune into yourself and ask yourself, what are your reasons for why you do what you do, whether that be drinking alcohol or the way that you eat or the way that you exercise or the way that you show up in your relationships and friendships. And for me, when I asked myself, why, why am I drinking, even though it's super occasional, I was only doing it because I felt like other people wanted me to. And because I felt like if I didn't, then I was going to be ostracized or it was just too abnormal. I didn't want to be an abnormal person. And now these days I embrace being as different as possible. We are all so different. If not drinking alcohol makes me abnormal, then I love being abnormal. As Jonathan always says about me, I'm not from here. I'm a human who's not from this planet. I'm probably not even human. That's how I feel most of the time. So if I don't drink alcohol and somebody has a problem with that, then that problem doesn't really have anything to do with me. And it has a lot more to do with them. So this episode is definitely not to tell you what to do. Um, It's also not to come off as preachy or even educational. I mean, hopefully it's a little bit educational, but this is more just my own journey. But really, I hope that if you're in a similar boat to me and you don't enjoy drinking alcohol and you feel maybe really different for it or alone or like you don't fit in with your friends anymore or ever, (laughs) then this episode's for you because I want you to know that you're not alone. You're not even close to being alone. There are so many of us in this high vibe consciousness right now of not being interested in alcohol. So let's get into my journey, shall we? And before we fully dive into this solo episode, I wanted to take a second to thank our amazing sponsor, Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic, as you guys know, is my favorite brand, longtime sponsor, the brand that I use every single day without fail, always. And I have so many different favorites. I don't even really know where to begin, but you can head to foursigmatic.com slash blonde to check out a bunch of my different faves from their chaga, which I use every day, which has different properties in it and different adaptogens like Eleuthero, which is really helpful with lime. It's anti-inflammatory and it tastes really good. Also has a little bit of mint in there. Um, I also love their mushroom hot cacao. You guys know I love chocolate and I've been having a ton of mushroom hot cacao in my life lately. I'm pretty obsessed with it. Their regular mushroom coffee, which has a lot less caffeine than actual coffee. It's filled with lion's mane and chaga, and you can make it in a whole bunch of different ways. 
so many different options to make it delicious. I'll tell you guys my favorite morning elixir recipe of the moment is one packet of Four Sigmatic Chaga with one cup of flax milk, which I've been getting from this place called Malibu Milk, which I don't know if they sell. I really don't think they sell it all over the U.S. yet, but it's definitely sold in Whole Foods around here and Erewhon, and you can probably purchase on their site. It's really, really good. It has cinnamon in it, and I put that in my frother. And my frother, you can find on my Amazon shop page, which we can put the link in the show notes. And then I blend up the chaga with one half cup of hot water while my one cup of flax milk is frothing. Then I put a little stevia in with the chaga, sometimes a little bit of carob powder and a little bit more cinnamon. I blend it all up. And then I pour in the frothed flax milk and I drink it while I meditate. And it's so delicious and cozy and just such a perfect way to start the day. It makes me feel really alert. Medicinal mushrooms are full of so many different adaptogenic properties which work with our bodies in a natural way to bring our bodies back to homeostasis. So If you want to learn more about Four Sigmatic, you can listen to the earlier episode that I did with Taro, the founder of the company. He's awesome. And just check them out on foursigmatic.com slash blonde. Use the code blonde to get 15% off and enjoy everything. So now let's head into the solo episode. I guess we should probably go all the way back to me being 15 years old. I was in high school, living in Sacramento, doing my thing. I went to a very small school that I've talked about on the podcast a couple times before called Sacramento Country Day School. I was there for 14 years. I was a lifer. There were 42 kids in my class. So as you can imagine, it's very much like going to school with family probably like a little bit similar, not that different from being homeschooled because it's such a small school, totally artsy, creative, liberal arts school, uh, not about the athletics or anything. And it was perfect for me. But since the school was so small, I definitely found myself often yearning for yearning for a very, very, very rich social life outside of school because I felt really confined at my school. And at Country Day, I only had a couple of friends. When we were younger, growing up, I felt like I was friends with everybody in my class and had so many friends. And then as we got into high school and a lot of my friends left Country Day, I would say a lot of like, the social people, which I considered myself someone who was very social, very just wanted to be with people all the time, was really interested in growing growing up and like getting out of the house and expanding and being at parties, all that kind of stuff. Most of the people who were also on that wavelength left Country Day for high school for obvious reasons to go to a bigger school where there would be more people and more new experiences. But I stayed at Country Day mostly just for creative reasons. They really, um, it was a perfect place for me to 
dive deep into my writing. And I did have my best friends in the world at Country Day, Katie and Danielle, who are two of my maids of honor now. And we had a handful of friends, but let's just say we were the odd people out because of what we liked to do. What we liked to do was go out on the weekends. We liked to drink. We were pretty rebellious in certain ways. So I started drinking when I was 15. I was at a party at our friend Brian's house who did not go to our school and it was New Year's Eve and we drank. And basically that night I took nine shots of vodka. Yes, you heard me correctly. I took nine shots. I also smoked weed for the first time out of a bong that night. So I was completely high and drunk, totally wasted. My boyfriend at the time, his name was Tommy. You guys have probably heard me talk about him if you've listened to my solo episode, episode 32. Tommy was out of town. So I was on the phone with him, basically sobbing my eyes out the whole night. I did not have a good reaction to being high and drunk, or as we called it in high school, crossfaded. It was very cool to call it crossfaded, and I was definitely crossfaded. Looking back, it's actually pretty funny. It was like me, all of my close girlfriends, the ones who went to my school and the ones who didn't, and um, my mom picked us up from the party, although we tried to get her to come quite a bit later. She did not. She came at our designated time, which was like one in the morning or two in the morning. I mean, we weren't even driving yet. We were that young. She came to pick us up and all of my friends told me, sit in the back seat because if you sit in the front seat, your mom will know that you've been drinking. So I sat in the back seat and my mom was driving home like six of us. And she said, Jordan, what are you doing? Get in the front seat. She knew something was up. So I somersaulted into the front seat, basically kicked my mom in the head and still thought I was in the clear, that she had no idea, that I was totally, totally drunk. I just believed that I was being so under the radar and she had no clue. So all of us are in the car. My mom has known all of us since we were in kindergarten and everybody is completely silent. So thinking that we're being like just so mature and she has no idea. Of course, we get home. My mom pulls me and my friend Danielle into the kitchen and says, you're drunk. And we tried to lie, which was a bad idea. Anyway, long story short, she knew we were drunk. We got in trouble. I was grounded for a month, which was the only time in my life that I was ever grounded. And I still tell my parents this to this day, that grounding me was probably not the best plan of action because what I did to get out of the house during that time was lie and sneak out. So I did a lot of that. I would just lie in like pretty innocent ways, like say that I was at um, theater practice or whatever, rehearsal for our plays after school when really I'd be going to Tommy's house and doing things like that after school. And by the time my grounding was over, I was so itching to be out and about again and be going to parties and drinking and doing all these things that I didn't think I was allowed to do. So by the time I turned 16, I had a conversation with my parents telling them that I was going to drink alcohol, whether they liked it or not, that it was part of my social life, part of being a teenager, and I didn't want to lie to them. 
and I wanted them to always know that I was safe and I wanted to know that they could pick me up if I needed them to. So I asked, can we just have an open line of communication about this? And them being very progressive and open, they said, yes, yes, that's fine. As long as you don't drink to the point of oblivion or act like a fool or do anything dangerous, then that's completely fine. So I was doing that. What my parents really didn't want me doing were drugs, which was very understandable, which I was also doing. So yes, I had my wild years in high school. Um, I would routinely drink, like I said, nine shots, 12 shots of either vodka. It was almost always vodka, actually. And my friends and I, we had fake IDs. We would buy fifths of vodka, like a huge, or even what's bigger than a fifth? I can't even remember now because I never drink, but a handle. Yes. We would buy handles of vodka. Um, Our vodka of choice was flavored Smirnoff. (laughs) Disgusting. Everything from watermelon to marshmallow Smirnoff, blueberry. We would put it up in the attic at one of our friend's houses. I won't say who, even though we're super open about it now, but I don't know in case her parents ever hear and in case they're upset about it, even though it was a long time ago, we'd put it up in her attic and we would have these raging parties where we would invite just everybody, like hundreds of people would show up from all different schools around Sacramento. And I feel like that's how it goes. Kids in high school hear about a party. And even if they don't know you, even if they don't know you or your friends or your friends' friends, somehow they find out about it. They show up They drink your alcohol and we thought having a party meant we should be supplying alcohol for all these hundreds of people. So who knows how much money we were spending, which for me, it was babysitting money um, on alcohol. And honestly, I loved the social aspect of drinking every time I drank, including that very first time that I got very drunk and got grounded. I would usually throw up in the morning from drinking so much and be really hungover for a few hours, eat like a really greasy meal, feel a little bit better, and then be completely fine and bounce back, which I guess is a product of being 16 years old and young, being able to handle alcohol that way. But I loved alcohol because I loved parties. I loved being social. And I really do think it had a lot to do with going to such a small school and feeling kind of stifled in that way and just wanting to be out and about and be around as many people as I could. And I loved just, it wasn't like the act of rebellion. I just loved, I loved partying. And it's so funny because now I don't, but we'll get to that. So all of high school, pretty wild. Many of you know from my solo episode, episode 32, that the love of my life at the time was, uh, unfortunately, ended up being a drug addict and fell in love with some of the drugs. I was never doing those hard drugs with him. I was just doing, I was smoking a lot of weed and eating edibles and who knows what our edibles were laced with because I know they were laced with some bad stuff quite a bit of the time. And what else? I mean, I, I had a few times where I did some crazy stuff, took mushrooms. 
I lived like right outside of Davis. Well, I lived in Sacramento, which is right outside of Davis, which is a very much a hippie town. And they would have this thing called the Whole Earth Festival. And that was like a big time to experiment. So I experimented with a lot of stuff. And long story short, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. All of my friends and myself were very into drinking. And I thought if people didn't drink, that they were boring. I mean, just going to go out and say it. I was one of those people who felt that way, not in a judgmental way. I just thought we probably won't get along. So then I went to college at LMU. I was in a sorority, Alpha Phi, and many people know that quite a big aspect of Greek life in colleges is drinking. And we certainly did a lot of that. I remember like having conversations with my mom who was really just amused at how much kids would drink. Um, And my mom would say like, when she was young, people just didn't drink that way. Like people did not binge drink the way that they were binge drinking when I was in high school and college. And I would talk to her about it and say, yeah, I know it's kind of strange that it's so normal to binge drink into oblivion. Like when I say binge drink, I mean like not just drinking to enjoy a cocktail, not just drinking to even get drunk. It's like get to the next level, just drink so much and then keep on drinking. And that was very much the culture in college. And LMU is not even a crazy party school. So I can imagine that even bigger schools would experience this to an even bigger degree. So continued drinking, you know, just as much as I always had. And freshman year, sophomore year, I was pretty much out every single night, like with the exception of one or two nights a week. And I loved it. I was having a lot of fun. I was even totally fine in school and during the day and everything. I just had limitless energy. I used to say I didn't know what it felt like to be tired. I just literally didn't know what that feeling felt like. So by the time I turned 21, I was studying abroad in Florence, Italy. And at this time was the first time since I had first started drinking, like seven, six or seven years prior that I all of a sudden no longer really cared about alcohol. And this was such an interesting shift. Um, I think over time before I turned 21, I started really disliking the taste of alcohol more and more and gagging when I would take a shot. People would tell me like, it was like famous amongst my friends the Jordan shot face when I would take a shot because I would look so absolutely disgusted and on the point of throw, on just gagging about to throw up that it would make someone else want to throw up. That's how deep my gag was. So I know that vodka started, vodka, which was like the only type of alcohol I really drank because I hated beer, never liked wine, never liked champagne, had a very bad experience with gin when I was in high school. And um, what else? Tequila, I would have occasionally. So I started just like gagging at even the thought of it. So when I was studying abroad and of course, like clubs and bars and everything are a huge part of nightlife in Italy and Europe. 
And all of a sudden, I just like didn't care about it at all. And in Europe, people were not going out until like midnight, one in the morning. That's when you leave to go to a bar or a club. And all of a sudden, I just was so not interested. And at the time, I felt like, ugh, this is such a inconvenient timing that all of a sudden I'm like not interested in clubbing and going to bars. And I forgot to mention before I studied abroad, my friends and I, we were so into going to clubs in Hollywood. And this is hilarious to me now because I cannot think of a single place I would want to be less (laughs) than a club in Hollywood. But I was all about it. And all of a sudden, turning 21 in Italy, I didn't want to be in clubs at all or bars or drinking alcohol. I, I kept craving going on a solo trip to like Greece or um, coastal Italy, somewhere in Tuscany and doing a yoga retreat. And I was like looking up yoga retreats and really wanting to do that. And I had been interested in health and wellness for years. I had been vegetarian and then vegan, gluten-free, always into making smoothies, always into superfoods and very into yoga, also since I was 15. So I did have these two sides to myself. And I think all of a sudden I was realizing the wellness side was so much more me than the partying side. And I do believe people can have two sides to themselves. They can have hundreds of sides to themselves. We are so multifaceted. But I started realizing the Jordan that is so into taking care of her body and feeling well and not feeling sick and not feeling gross and bloated and allergic to things like that is who I am. That's my passion. And everything else that I'm doing is starting to feel very off. So I kind of pushed myself while I was studying abroad to continue living that partying lifestyle. I never booked that solo yoga retreat while I was abroad. I instead went to the Pink Palace in Greece, which is like a crazy hostel. We wore togas, we got drunk, we skinny dipped in the middle of the night, and it was fun in its own right. But It wasn't what my soul was calling to do. And I do have this deep belief that when we're out of alignment with what our souls are wanting from us and what our souls are starting to tell us to do, then we will start to experience extreme anxiety. So that's what happened when I got back to college. I came back from studying abroad and lived in a house with six of my friends. I was still in Alpha Phi and very much still living this life. And being in Italy had really opened my mind to what else is out there. And I got such a taste for culture and writing. And I was so passionate about my writing. I was writing a novel, something that I started when I was in Italy. And I just started yearning to be out of school. And I felt like, okay, if I can be out of school and out of this environment where everyone likes to party then I won't feel the pressure to party with them just to be a part of everything and to still stay close with my friends. I will be able to do my own thing and not judge myself because I wasn't really worried about anyone else judging me. I just knew I would harshly judge myself if I wasn't doing what everyone else was doing, quote unquote. And 
um, over those years, those last two years in college, I started to feel really, really, really out of alignment with my soul. I had a therapist and I remember him telling me multiple times, if you would just like quit your sorority and move out of your house and maybe live with just one friend or something, you would feel so much better. Your anxiety would go away. Um, throw yourself into the yoga community because I was doing a yoga teacher training at that time. And I just remember thinking, you don't know what you're talking about, about my therapist. Like you don't know what it's like to be in college and I'm not going to isolate myself. That just sounded horrifying to me. Although it also sounded really amazing and looking back on it, I really wish I would have done it. But I don't have any regrets because I think it all played out the way that it was supposed to. So continued getting more and more out of alignment with my soul, developing more and more anxiety, staying in a lot more. And every time my friends would go to like Hollywood or anything, I wasn't interested. And I was starting to just, I put my yoga teacher training first. And that was really helpful for me because it conflicted with a lot of the other obligations that I had. Um, sorority wise and that kind of stuff. So I chose the yoga teacher training. But then when I moved to New York, I was finally, so I graduated college, moved to New York for grad school. And I was finally in a place where it was just me. And some of my friends moved as well. And I lived with my best friend, Katie, but I was no longer Jordan, part of this sorority, part of this larger group. And everyone's friend, that kind of thing. These are the way that the ways that I viewed myself and the stories that I told myself. I was like, Jordan, this independent woman living in New York City, and I could be anyone I wanted to be and do anything I wanted to do. And from there, I decided health is my passion and I'm not interested in alcohol. So this was great because when I started grad school, Everyone who I met and became close to in grad school only knew me as the blonde vegan. That was my blog name at the time. And someone who we would go to bars after our classes ended, our night classes, and I would get water. And like once in a blue moon, I would have a drink. I wasn't totally abstinent from alcohol at the time, but almost always like my best friend from grad school, Paul, would order me a water at the bar and he would have a drink and everyone else would have a drink and nobody judged me. Nobody thought twice about it. In fact, I feel that it really inspired people. And especially with the culture in New York being very much go, 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 a lot of nightlife, a lot of like pushing yourself to the brink, especially in grad school, like late nights, late mornings, not a lot of exercise, lots of writing, late night food, not your healthiest lifestyle. I think me as the blonde vegan at that time and not really drinking alcohol and eating nourishing plant foods and running cleanse programs was very inspiring to a lot of the people around me. And that's what they would tell me quite frequently. And that really helped fuel me. And that gave me so much more satisfaction and made me feel so rewarded and motivated and inspired and fulfilled versus anything I had ever felt before 
um, drinking and partying and staying out late had never really been fulfilling to me on any deep level. The only thing that was fulfilling about it was that I felt like I was making people happy and that I was bonding with my friends. And all I've ever wanted is to bond with people and be with the people that I love and be dependable for the people that I love and have a good time. I think life is so meant to be enjoyed. And I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing to enjoy life when really looking back on it and thinking about some of the conversations I had with my therapist at that time, I literally told him that moving out of LA will be great because I won't have any social obligations to anyone. (laughs) And he looked at me and said, do you realize you just talked about your social life as a social obligation? And I said, oh my God, you're right. And that was a huge realization for me. And ever since then, all those years ago, I have tried very hard to look at my social life as something that I want to do, friendships that I want to maintain, activities that I'm interested in, and never feel obligated to do something. And of course, obligations still pop up. But I think at the time I was feeling that way about my entire life. So my anxieties were through the roof. I had so many issues at that time. I had insane insomnia. I was never sleeping. I was obsessed with Tommy and wanting Tommy to be better. And Tommy's addictions were extremely bad at that time. And we were not dating but we were so close. We talked every day and I saw him all the time and he visited me all the time in LA and then New York. And it was very, very, very heart shattering and awful to watch the person that I loved the most in this whole entire world deteriorating before my very eyes and just becoming a shred of who he was. So I was really suffering mentally. And I think that I got to a point where when I was still drinking heavily, I was sobbing constantly. Every time I drank, it would be like the first time I drank alcohol. I cried and cried and cried and sobbed in my friend's arms. I wasn't happy. And I put on a happy face and probably seemed totally fine to even myself. But when I was drinking alcohol, I couldn't hide my real emotions and I wasn't happy at all. I was a mess and God, such a mess. I didn't think I would ever be able to let go of Tommy and I knew we weren't right for each other and I was so worried about him and I just thought I was destined for a life of taking, of caretaking and being with someone who wasn't really the right person for me, but our love was so strong. So when I really stopped drinking alcohol, I didn't have those super high, high, or should I say, I didn't have those super low lows anymore. Those really low lows that I would get from drinking and sobbing and being hungover and these weird things happening. And looking back on it, I think the universe was pointing me in that direction for so long, even by having me date someone at the end of college for a year who was a functioning alcoholic. And I would make all these excuses in my head about how much he drank and how much he loved drinking, et cetera, et cetera. And now I can see all of this was the universe showing me 
alcohol in your life is not positive. (laughs) And so when I went through like that very traumatic time, when I lived in New York, which I talked about in a recent solo episode about manifesting money, when my family lost a lot of money in a Ponzi scheme, I think if I had been leaning on alcohol or drugs as a crutch, I would have totally spiraled at that time. It would have been deeply unhealthy. But instead, I focused on my health and well-being. I focused on my career. I focused on my very positive friendships and my family. And I came out of it really strong. That was five years ago. And I feel like I'm so proud of everything I've built from that rock bottom. And alcohol has played no part in that whatsoever. So needless to say, living in New York and living on my own was quite wonderful. I started to have many more spiritual experiences. And that kind of brings me to the next part of the episode that I'm really excited to get into is the spiritual aspects of not drinking. So We're going to fast forward a little because everything was kind of similar from living in New York. And then I moved back to LA and continued this life of not really drinking. I'll say that I regressed a little when I moved back to LA because I started, I mean, I was back in the city where I went to college and most of the people I went to college with still live here. So for a little while, I tried on that old lifestyle again not to the same degree, but just a little because I still wanted to connect with those people. And then I realized I can be me and not drink. I can be even more me and not drink. And if that is something undesirable to any of these people, then I don't really care. They're not really my friends. And I can't say I've lost any friendships over not drinking. So I think it it was all quite easy to really not drink. Although for a period of time, I did go through that rough patch that I think a lot of people do when they go from a partying lifestyle to not drinking alcohol. And for a while, some of my friends were upset about it and would give me a lot of shit about it. And I remember like having conversations with my mom and sometimes saying like, I don't, know if I'm going to continue being close with this person because they're giving me so much shit about not drinking alcohol. And I don't know why it's affecting them on a deep personal level at all. And I realize now it's because when you don't do something like that, or when you do do something like eating healthy, you're holding up a mirror to the other person and maybe showing them something that they're doing in their own life that they're not so proud of even if it's on a deep subconscious level. So I dealt with that at first, but that was still like five years ago when my friends and I were relatively young, younger than we are now. Now we're 28, I'm 28, really young. So people had their own reactions to it, but I stayed really strong the whole time and I didn't feel the need to defend myself. I was also having so many health issues. So fast forward to... The first Panchakarma I ever did at Surya Spa here in LA, an Ayurvedic treatment that involves working with an Ayurvedic doctor or practitioner. And they, this was really my first experience with very holistic medicine. And 
Marta from Surya Spa, reading my tongue, reading my pulse, looking at my body and really speaking to my body in her Ayurvedic way and learning that my liver was totally compromised and totally taxed and totally toxic. And she told me, you would really benefit from a full panchakarma, not just a one-day treatment here. Your liver is so toxic. So I remember just feeling like, oh my God, really? I can't believe my liver is so toxic. That's crazy. And I told my good friend Jillian, my best friend Jillian about it. And she said, well, no wonder you're not interested in drinking alcohol. Your liver's toxic. Clearly your body's speaking to you. And at that point, everything clicked for me. And it sounds so obvious now looking back because I've gotten so into energy medicine and holistic approaches. But this was the very beginning for me. And I thought, no wonder my liver is overtaxed thank God I've been listening to my body all this time on a subtle level. My body's rejecting alcohol. It sounds disgusting to me. I can't even muster to take a sip of a drink if I wanted to, because this is what my body's telling me. So that was a huge step. Since then, I've embarked on so many different forms of detox to detox my liver. And I've since learned that, of course, I have Lyme disease and toxic mold poisoning and mast cell activation syndrome and something called the MTFHR genetic mutation in which I do not detox toxins properly. So I need to do a whole host of other things to really detox effectively. And that's another reason why my liver was so overtaxed where maybe someone else who was living a similar lifestyle to me wouldn't have been quite as affected as I was, but I certainly was. And that was another, that was a huge wake up call. And since then I've gone on quite the spiritual journey and I've learned so many things about myself that show me why alcohol is not in alignment with me living my most conscious, most high vibrational lifestyle. And Probably the first of those things was when I started doing kundalini yoga about two years ago and being able to access this higher realm of consciousness for myself for pretty much the first time where after a full class of kundalini breathwork and kriyas and chanting and all the different things that encompass a wonderful kundalini class, I would be in Shavasana and able to access my higher self and see visions of who my highest self is and what she wants for me. And at the time, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, oh my God, I'm becoming psychic. This is amazing. And on another note, I think we're all psychic and we all have access to not only our higher selves, but to other realms that exist in other places in parallel conjunction with where we are now. So during those kundalini shavasanas, I would see myself as someone who completely abstained from alcohol, sugar, non-vegan food, and a bunch of other things. And this was really interesting to me because at the time I wasn't vegan because I went from being vegan to not being vegan anymore. And I started feeling this deep, deep, deep pull and desire to be plant-based, be vegan again. Around this time, I started feeling a desire to really abstain from alcohol, even though I was barely drinking at all, but I was still 
drinking on special occasions or to make other people happy, quote unquote, or things like that. And Kundalini is what really inspired me to get in touch with myself and speak to myself. And what my body would tell me loud and clear was plant-based veganism. Your body wants the plants, wants that clean, nourishing food. There's nothing to be afraid of with clean, nourishing food because I did have some fears since I had kind of been this very public figure with my eating disorder recovery, recovering from orthorexia, which is the obsession with healthy food. And what my higher self started telling me was, you've never had a problem. The healthy food was never the problem. The problem was totally separate. The problem was totally separate from the healthy food. And I was able to distinguish what my eating disorder, what my issues really stemmed from and what had actually been healing me and helping me all along was the plant foods. Definitely not as limited as I had made it at at that time when I was still young and learning and going through a lot, but the plant foods were calling me home. And I feel like the plants were literally speaking to me and telling me that they would heal me and heal my hormones. My hormones were wildly out of balance. And I felt at this time, like basically between five years ago and two years ago, my health was out of control. Like before I even, before the Lyme disease took over my body and made things even worse, my hormones were so messed up. I look back at photos and I can see I was just literally riddled with hormone imbalances and I was eating in a really, really high fat, really high protein way. I was totally a carnivore. Like I was eating so much animal protein and barely drinking, but, um, and don't worry, I'm going to get back on the topic of alcohol in a second, but it's all so interconnected. I have to talk about the food piece too, because my body starting to speak to me and tell me that this clean way of life was calling me home and was going to heal me was literally everything. So I cleaned up. I also cleaned up all of my like cleaning supplies, the candles that I would use in my house, my beauty products, made everything completely non-toxic and started eating a vegan diet again. And I think that's where people who follow me on social media get confused. They think I've recently gone vegan again. I've been vegan again ever since I started doing kundalini yoga and kundalini started speaking to me, my kundalini energy and sharing these things with me that would heal me. So I went pretty much vegetarian and then vegan, but I was calling it plant-based and um, just realized alcohol was never going to serve me and became really confident in the fact that if I wanted to keep aligning with this high vibrational lifestyle that was so exciting to me where I could get in touch with my higher self and release this anxiety that I had and also release this deep attachment that I had to Tommy, my first love that was actually really holding me back from falling in love or finding the right person or aligning with my highest self. And I know it was holding Tommy back from aligning with his highest self too. 
I kind of revamped everything. And that's when I was able to manifest Jonathan into my life. And now Jonathan and I are getting married this year for anyone listening who doesn't follow me regularly. He's my twin flame, my soulmate, the love of my life. He's my everything. And when we very first started dating, I think we had like a couple drinks together. I think that's what a lot of people do when they first start dating. And then we talked about it and we agreed that neither of us like alcohol. Neither of us feel served by alcohol at all. We both don't prefer it. And we both were only drinking because all of our friends drink. So when we found each other, it was like magnetism. Oh my gosh. This is amazing. It was like this electric feeling of like, what do you mean? Now I have a best friend to do everything with who I'm madly in love with, who also doesn't like to drink alcohol, who also loves to eat clean and plant-based, who also loves exercise and health and wellness and is more of an exercise freak than I am. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So to have that support with him was incredible but I will say for people listening who don't have that, maybe your partner loves to drink alcohol and you don't, or maybe you're still looking to call in your partner. You don't need to have that, but I would say finding someone who's on that wavelength, whether it be a friend or a family member or someone that you meet in the Soul on Fire podcast tribe on Facebook, definitely have someone who is on that level with you because The awesome thing is there are so many people on that level. You don't ever have to feel alone. It's amazing. And also being in this blogging world has introduced me to so many like-minded people who also don't drink alcohol, like Ruby Warrington, who wrote the book Sober Curious. We'll put the link in the show notes. I think if you are not interested in alcohol, you should definitely read that book. Sahara Rose, who has an incredible podcast called The Highest Self Podcast, Shaman Durek, who's very anti-alcohol, who's been on this podcast a few times. Sahara, Shaman Durek, Ruby, and I were on a panel in LA like a month or two ago that Ruby put on and moderated about alcohol. And Shaman Durek talked all about the spiritual reasons for not drinking alcohol and how it literally sucks our soul out of our body, dims our soul, dims our light, lowers our vibration. And I know Sahara talks a lot about that too. And I can just speak from experience with that, that when I do drink alcohol and the few times that I drank last year, which were at two separate weddings, my vibration was lowered. I was so hungover now being 28 and never drinking when I do drink, I'm so hungover. I'm literally hungover for five days and my body is so sensitive. It's not even a choice at this point to not drink alcohol. It's just like, if I did, I would be compromising my body and my health so much. And I do feel that a lot of conscious people are completely moving in this direction. And when I was first diagnosed with Lyme, and starting to take Lyme medications and supplements and herbs, my doctor said to me, well, you don't drink, do you? And the answer was no. But I was thinking in my head, like most people do drink. So the fact that you're assuming that I don't, you must be able to see something in me that shows you that I wouldn't be interested in alcohol also because I'm sick. But I'm also thinking anyone out there who suffers from hormone imbalances and 
Lyme disease and chronic illness and autoimmune issues. Alcohol is just not something that's going to make you feel better. It's not going to serve you. It might feel like an emotional band-aid or a social lubricant um, because that's what it is. But you can learn to live without it. And what I love is like getting high on life without all of it, without any of it. This spiritual path of eating clean, treating my body like a temple, detoxing regularly has been so much more rewarding and fulfilling and exciting to me than alcohol ever was. And I just, I view my body as such a place of healing. And this is my vessel for living on this earth. And like I said before, I feel not even human most of the time. So this physical vessel, keeping it grounded on this earth is everything I have. I can easily fly up, up and away in my head and being grounded, moving, being physical, doing yoga, meditating, literally feeling my feet on the earth, getting in nature, grounding. These things make me feel so good. Whereas something like alcohol or unhealthy food or non-vegan food makes me feel so out of my body and yucky and gross and like something I have to, I don't know, detox from. So I have this super, super, super clear vessel now, even though I'm sick and I'm healing and I just don't want to mess with it. And so also learning about human design, being a reflector. Thank you, Jenna Zoe, for opening my eyes to this human design lifestyle. And if you don't know about human design, you guys can listen to my first episode with Jenna, episode 78. We also have two other episodes together, but 78 is the perfect one to start. Learning about being a reflector, I see reflectors were 1% of the population. We are so sensitive to energy around us, to toxins, to toxic environments, to everything. So no wonder alcohol could so greatly impact my system now and my nervous system and make me feel so off balance. So projectors as well can feel that way. Other non-energy types. I just believe so wholeheartedly in treating our bodies like the pure temples that they are. And I love looking back on my life and thinking of my 15-year-old self being obsessed with yoga and becoming a yoga teacher and eating vegetarian and gluten-free. Because even though I was drinking alcohol and living my wild, rebellious lifestyle, my soul was always there. Like it could actually literally make me cry talking about it. My soul always knew what she wanted and came here for a reason. And now getting in touch with my soul and letting my soul guide my choices and not just be this tiny little voice buried deep within my body has been the coolest thing in the entire world and has been so exciting and so fun to be able to just live live guided by my soul in alignment with what my soul, my highest self wants. So a few of the things that I do to get in touch with my soul every day are I meditate. I think I told you guys I've been doing the Joe Dispenza meditations on YouTube every morning. They're 45 minutes. I love the one called You Are the Placebo. 
And we'll put that link in the show notes. I know 45 minutes is kind of a long meditation for some people. So if that's too long for you, you you don't have to do a guided meditation. You can also just sit for 10 minutes, 20 minutes and get in touch with yourself. I love listening to this 417 hertz healing music. It's also on YouTube. Something that I also like to meditate to keeps me very much in touch with myself. I do a lot of journaling, intention setting. I am aware of the moon cycles. I release on the full moon negativity, anything I'm holding on to. I call in intentions and what I want, what I'm looking for on the new moon. I have a very strong manifesting practice. I look to teachers of mine like Abraham Hicks and Lacey Phillips and so many others for guidance on that path. I really believe in the law of attraction. I do a lot of kundalini yoga. I do a lot of physical vinyasa yoga and I eat a really pure, really clean diet. And that has really been my saving grace with everything. So moving back to plants has been so healing. I had two alcoholic drinks last year. This year I plan to have zero, including at my wedding. I believe so much in plant medicine from ayahuasca to psilocybin mushrooms to marijuana. I'm not a big marijuana person, but a lot of people who I love and feel very close to love marijuana and the effects that it has on them. I do love CBD. CBD is amazing. And I just think we can totally get by without alcohol. And I know there are a lot of people out there who are going to say, who do say, like to each their own and mindful experiences with alcohol can be very spiritual and very beautiful. I can't speak to those personally because I have never really had a mindful experience with alcohol, but I'm sure it exists. And if that's something that you're interested in, go for it. I would never judge you. I would never find myself above someone else because I drink and they don't. I think to each their own. And if you enjoy drinking and you love it, that's fine. But my uh, passion in this life is like treating this physical body with so much love and so much care. And the things that I spend time doing, like my healing treatments from Lyme, like infrared sauna every day, like the coffee enemas that I do twice a day, the Gerson therapy that I'm studying right now, healing through plants, which is a huge, huge passion, exercise, meditation, all these things that I do to raise my consciousness. I would just, I I don't feel in alignment with drinking at all. So that's why I don't drink. I also just care. I just care so much about my body and how my body feels. And that's why it's not worth it to me. If somebody says, please, please just try this drink. It tastes really good. Or please have this ship of sip of champagne because I want you to celebrate with us. It's not about, it's not about that for me. I can have fun and celebrate and everything. It's not about the alcohol. It was never about the alcohol. And I think that's something that society could work on releasing is why do we feel like we need alcohol to celebrate or food or sugary food to celebrate or taking your child out for ice cream because they did great on a test. I think these vices that we have like alcohol and sugar and certain unhealthy animal foods, 
they're all a band-aid for something so much deeper. And I'm so committed to doing that deeper work. And whatever that looks like for you to do the deeper work, I'm totally in support of. And if you are a young person who also doesn't like to drink alcohol, I feel you. You are totally not alone. Um, I felt really alone during those years where I was finishing up college and I was like the only person who didn't like staying out late and drinking, or at least I felt like I was. I know there were other people. I used to envy people at my school who would just stay late in the library and not go out. And I don't know what their social life looked like, but I envied them. And it's so funny looking back because I could have just been them. I could have just done that as well. But I didn't. And it was all part of my journey. And so when I say things like getting sick with Lyme disease is my greatest gift, has been one of my greatest gifts in this lifetime. And people get all up in arms about it when I say that sometimes. People who are like, how can you say that? Because Lyme disease has taken people's lives away from them. And trust me, It has taken my life away from me. Everything I've known about my life, I've been bedridden for a year and a half. And when I'm out of my bed, it's because I'm forcing myself to be. And it's really hard. And it has not been a walk in the park. It's been so difficult. I've given up huge aspects of my career. I've given up so many opportunities. I don't work with an agent or a manager or a podcast network or anything because I. No, I'm at my absolute limits. Like I want my brand to grow, but I can't, I can't take those steps right now. So it's actually been really beautiful because my brand has grown in really organic ways. I have all of my podcast guests over to my home. I'm currently recording this episode in my bathrobe after taking a midday bath. I'm drinking adaptogenic tea. I have my candles going, my crystals. I have Hudson with me and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I've had to really adjust from being a go, go, go fast paced person who I mentioned earlier in this episode, didn't know what it felt like to be tired and didn't believe in even slowing down. I didn't think I needed to, to becoming this totally different person affected by Lyme and chronic illness. And I might be fighting this for the rest of my life. And I certainly will be managing it for the rest of my life. So when I say Lyme has been my greatest gift, I really mean that because it has brought me back into my body and given me the gift of realizing that alcohol and animal products, among many other things, saying yes to anything that I actually don't want to do, was all hindering me from being in my highest vibration and being my highest self. And all I want is to be the highest version of myself. I love to channel. I love to tap into my psychic abilities. I love to, I'm channeling so much for you guys right now. My manifestation course that I cannot wait to bring into the world and birth into this community. I wouldn't be able to manifest at all if I was juggling my old partying lifestyle with what I do now and with podcasting. So all of that to say, that's why I don't drink. And I'm really happy with where I am in my life. I feel really 
blessed to have a fiance who also does not like to drink. Like it's about to be Friday night. It's Friday evening right now. And Jonathan and I are getting massages tonight, staying in. We might go to yoga. We'll probably hit up Erewhon for some food and bring it home. And that's our life. And I don't compare our life at all. And the amazing Jesse Delo, who was just on this podcast, said that the key to happiness, to her own happiness, is not comparing her and her family's life with anyone else. And I've found that I'm in a position now where I really don't compare. And it feels so good. And me and Jonathan, the way we live our life, is just exactly the way that I love it and he loves it and that's really all that matters. And we're so happy and I'm so grateful. And I'm sure my 15-year-old self would have thought my life now was like, what? Like that sounds so boring, but it's amazing. It's so full. I get adrenaline from running this business, doing this podcast, my blog, being in love, um, channeling, doing kundalini. I get all the adrenaline I need and the energy and the rest of it. I'm so happy to just kick back and relax and live a pretty stress-free life. Live by the beach, drink a lot of tea. I'm not even drinking caffeine anymore. I mean, I've released a lot of my vices and it feels really good because after I stopped drinking alcohol, I started being addicted to coffee. For two years, I was addicted to coffee and I don't drink caffeine anymore. What I do love is taking nootropics, which is something I'll talk about soon, and adaptogens. And I just think plants and herbs and herbal remedies and tinctures and Ayurveda, there are so many ways that we can lift our energy and focus in our mood and get a lot of clarity and feel really good without putting anything toxic into our bodies. And no matter how you look at it, alcohol is a toxin. And my body cannot take any more toxins, especially after Lyme and black mold poisoning. No more toxins for me. Never going to happen. So I'm very pleased with where I am. It's interesting. I don't know if I can say I'll never have another sip of alcohol. I know that I won't this year because that's my promise to myself. But we'll see. I think life is always changing and ebbing and flowing. Maybe in the future when I'm totally healthy and Lyme is eradicated from my body, I could see myself in the Tuscan countryside with Jonathan having a super romantic afternoon and maybe having a few sips of wine. I mean, maybe. I just don't know. I don't like to rule anything out, but I would say for now, abstaining from alcohol is what makes me really happy. And one other thing before I wrap up the episode, I almost forgot to mention that when I did ayahuasca in January, and by the time you guys hear this, I'll have done it again, or I'll be about to do it again. When I did ayahuasca in January, I was filled with the sensation of like, I thought people all around me were holding up vodka to my nose and that I was like being forced to smell alcohol and that I was drowning in alcohol and I was gagging and throwing up and having this very intense reaction to it. And it was so obvious to me that it was my higher self and plant medicine ayahuasca telling me never to drink alcohol again, that 
alcohol is not something that I need whatsoever and not to feel guilty about that. So even though I just said, who knows about the future, I kind of have a feeling I won't be returning to it ever because I just don't want to. So I'm just going to keep living in the flow with that. And right now what feels really in the flow and has for many years now is not drinking alcohol. So it's crazy that it's been seven years of not being interested in it. It's been like three years of really barely drinking it at all. Probably like five drinks total in the last three or four years. And now no more, never again. I'll probably post on my Instagram story some fun pictures of me from college partying so that you guys can see who I once was. I'm still me. My soul's always been in there, but it's always fun to look back and see how much things have changed. So if you're interested in becoming more sober curious, then I definitely think you should check out Ruby's book, Sober Curious. Join our Soul on Fire podcast tribe on Facebook and chat. I know you'll find a lot of like-minded people there and just know that you're never alone. And if you're in college and you're listening to this or you're in high school or you're in your late 20s or early 30s or wherever you are and you feel like an outcast because you're not interested in alcohol, just know you're not an outcast at all. You're totally fine, totally amazing, normal, your version of normal, abnormal, which is even cooler. And we all get to choose how we live this wildly amazing life and be in tune with our highest vibrational selves. So that's what I have to say about alcohol. I love that I get to have these conversations with you guys, all of our amazing like-minded humans. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited about this manifestation course that I'm creating for you guys. If you want to be on the list to be among the first to hear about it when it releases, email jane at thebalancedblonde.com. That's J-A-N-E at thebalancedblonde.com. And she'll put you on our master list to receive all the information when the course launches. Also, if you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast, if you've been listening and you love it and you feel connected to me, then I would love a rating and review of the show on iTunes. And then you can just take a screenshot and email it to me at jordan at thebalancedblonde.com. And I'll send you my Soul on Fire yoga ebook, 400 pages of awesomeness, or also my blogging tips and tricks ebook, whichever one you want, or I'll send you both. I really don't mind. Um, I just am so grateful for you guys listening and taking the chance, the chance, the time to rate and review. So thank you so much for being here. You guys are amazing. Have an awesome soul on fire day and tell me what your relationship to alcohol is either on Instagram, comment on my latest photo or send me an email. Usually Instagram is the best place to reach me, but wherever you feel comfortable because I want to hear your stories and I can't wait. Love you guys. Have an awesome day.